0: If it's happening in New South Wales today, you'll hear it here on Marcus Paul in the Morning.
1: Sit down. I'm sit still out, hearing in yeah, sit down it. Yeah. You sit down.
0: All right, 25 minutes away from 7.13.12.69. The state opposition leader in New South Wales is Chris Minns. He joins us on the program. Morning, Chris. Good morning, Marcus. Gorgeous looking day in Sydney town. Uh, first in a while where we've gotten up and seen some sunshine, mate.
1: Yeah, it's stunning. Just a great day. Nice to see the clouds clear and mm. uh, with COVID out of the way, uh, we're looking forward to a bright and happy Christmas. Yes, let's keep our fingers crossed. Now,
0: what do you make of this? I, I saw on the front page of the newspapers today that in a reshuffle early next year, or even before the end of this year, the Premier, New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet, will create a new minister for cities. He's unveiling his vision for a livable, workable and beautiful post-pandemic Sydney. Now, that all sounds wonderful, and I think that's great. Uh, what do you make
1: of the new ministry? Well, look, I, I'm not going to criticise them for sh- reshuffling and creating a new department or minister. That sounds great. Why not? But realistically, you and I know, unless the government starts to do something about the cost of living, the extreme expense of living in particular in metropolitan Sydney. The difficulty, particularly if you live in Western Sydney, of dealing with tolls every single day of the year, I'm I'm afraid it'll just be words. We really need actions here, and we don't need probably another politician. Walking around town, we actually need some... um, policy changes to make life a little bit easier for people who've done it very tough over the last couple of years.
0: Well, in a an oration today at the Opera House, Mr Perrottet is expected to say that his vision for Sydney can be summed up in three words, livable, workable and beautiful. I don't know whether the word livable includes affordable. That's my concern, affordable.
1: Well, I think that's a very good point, Marcus. I mean, at the end of the day he. We're hearing about families that pay between six and $7,000 a year in tolls. We've spoken about this pri- company <laughs> that used to be owned by the New South Wales government, has been mm. privatised, owned by a private firm now. So that money coming out of the pockets of families in New South Wales has gone to a private company. And I just think that in many ways, as you look at the inner west light rail, or you look at domestic manufacturing and the lack of, uh, uh, you know, accessible and workable transport infrastructure, particularly ferries and inner-city trains. I think they've got the wrong the wrong direction here, yeah. and I'm not sure reshuffling the deck chairs is the way to do it. I actually think they need a root and branch change in philosophy.
0: Cracked trams removed from Sydney's inner-west light rail are no longer under warranty, and that's casted doubts on whether the state government or private operators will pay for repairs. I mean, taxpayers may even have to foot the bill for these cracked trams. That doesn't sound right.
1: <laughs> well, look, if it wasn't so serious, it'd be funny. But I was out in, in uh, the inner west yesterday speaking to businesses, cafe owners along that route in Arlington and Dulwich Hill. They are doing it very tough. One business owner, a cafe owner named Messi, opened just prior to the pandemic beginning. Can you imagine the timing on that? Yeah. Struggled through months and months of no one coming true. Eventually the customers started coming through the doors and guess what happened? The light rail cracked and could be out of action for 18 months. So um, it's not going well in transport for New South Wales and it's having real-world implications, particularly if you rely on a ferry or an intercity train or those light rails uh, in the inner west. They're not working and I don't think we're getting enough answers from the government as to what is going wrong here, Marcus.
0: Well, yesterday, Premier Perrottet was probably one of the first Premiers, or in fact one of the first politicians, to almost admit that speed cameras are effectively cash cows or or revenue raisers. Uh, We know now that uh, the Premier is listening to community concerns, and we may well start to see these warning signs placed back in front of these speed cameras.
1: Yeah, I would welcome that. And I heard the news uh, yesterday that the government was considering changing its policy in relation to that. We want those speed camera signs back. Uh, we don't think secret speed cameras are the way to go. And I'll just give you some statistics here, Marcus. This is pretty pretty unbelievable. I mean, the government collected 27000 fines, $4.8 million in September. Now, that is more than they used to collect in an entire year. And uh, we're on track if, if, we'll if things don't change for the New South Wales government to collect something in the order of $44 million in fines, which would be a 12,000% increase uh, in the number of fines that are being levied. Most of these are 10 kilometres or less. Now, that's not an excuse for speeding. I'm certainly not advocating that, but I'd much rather someone not commit the offence in the first place rather than receive a fine in the mail two or three weeks after the offence has been committed.
0: A couple of other issues I might get a comment on. Uh, we've got some uh, some striking bus drivers in certain areas around Sydney. Uh, they've just finished their first strike this morning. It went from four to six. Doesn't really affect commuters that much, but uh, more strike action uh, during peak hour tomorrow. That will be a pain. And, of course, we have teachers about to walk off the job for the first time in nearly a decade en masse. That's happening on the 7th of, of this month. So there are a few headaches for the government there.
1: Well, look, I understand that. No-one wants industrial action, certainly don't want strikes across the public, uh, the public service, but the government does have an obligation to speak to their own workforce. Um, at the end of the day, they did ask bus drivers, cleaners, teachers, paramedics, police officers to go to work during the pandemic. Please turn up, make sure that our society doesn't cave in on itself. And hundreds of thousands of public servants did just that, uh, put their own health to one side, listened to the government, made sure that they fronted up for work, and um, now the government is not talking to them about essential pay and conditions, particularly in the workforce. Marcus, they've got an obligation to do that. They're an yeah. employer, and in good faith, they should at the very least be sitting down to understand how we can work through this.
0: All right, Chris, great to talk. We'll catch up again next week. Thank you. It's my pleasure. See you, Marcus. See you, mate. There he is, New South Wales Opposition Leader Chris Mins.